Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through, and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant, free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or walmart.com. Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. On today's birth story episode, Debbie talks about her experience getting pregnant after infertility, as well as changing from a physician to midwife care. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN physician, certified integrative health coach, and creator of the Birth Preparation Course, an online childbirth education class that will leave you feeling knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered going into your birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only, and it's not a substitute for medical advice. See the full disclaimer at ncrcoaching.com forward slash disclaimer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the podcast, episode number 29. Thank you for being here. Today, we have a birth story episode, and it is a good one. Debbie Diaz Granados shares her unique story of pregnancy after infertility, which you're going to love that part, as well as how she decided to transition her care from a physician to a midwife. 
She also talks about what she wishes would have gone differently with her birth, as well as some great advice for expectant moms about reflecting on their own pregnancy and birth wishes. Debbie has a really calm and peaceful nature, at least that's what I felt talking to her. So I know you're going to enjoy this episode. But before we get into the episode, I have an important announcement to make. Two weeks from today, on Tuesday, July 30th, I am doing a live online class on how to make your birth plan. So I will be there to teach you how to approach the process of making your birth plan, the questions you need to ask, tips to get your doctor to pay attention, and what to include. This is going to be packed full of useful information to help you for your birth. And since I'm live, I'll be able to answer your questions right there on the spot. Now, if you can't make it live, then register anyway, and I'll send you the replay. But I will encourage you to be there live because I have something special I'm sharing that you can only get if you're there with me live. So go to ncrcoaching.com forward slash register to sign up. And that link will be in the show notes. There are a limited number of spots for this live online class. So go ahead and sign up today so you don't miss out on a spot. That's ncrcoaching.com forward slash register. Okay, without further ado, let's get into Debbie's birth story. And FYI, I did kind of bleep out the names of um, the hospitals just because I have to be careful about that kind of stuff. Okay, let's get into Debbie's birth story. So, hey, Debbie, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast today. I'm super excited to have you here. I am excited to talk to you about um, the birth of our child. Awesome. Well, why don't we start off by having you tell us a little bit about you and your family? Okay. So, um, pre-child, it's my husband and I. Uh, We have been married since 2011, so I'm doing math quickly. Eight years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Eight years. We met in graduate school and moved to Richmond postgraduate school in 2011 um, and got married that same year, graduated grad school and got married that same year. That's a lot Um, in one year. Yes, it is a lot. (laughs) Good things though. Good things. Right. Yeah. And we, you know, didn't think we were going to be in Richmond for that long, but have fallen in love with it. And since then I've bought a house and I've had a son. Awesome. So why don't we just hop right on in and then talk about, you know, your pregnancy and your birth. I know you mentioned that this pregnancy was after infertility. Can you share a little bit with us about your infertility journey and what that was like for you? Sure. So I am older and obviously anything over 35 is considered a mature maternal age. And so when we got married, you know, we didn't necessarily think that we were going to have kids. It wasn't necessarily the the top of our list. But after a few years, um, we started thinking about it and we thought, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll throw caution to the wind. And if it happens, perfect. If it doesn't, you know, we are okay with that, with that decision. Right. And after a couple of years, and then towards the end of those couple of years, taking, talking to my doctor and, and, she's suggesting to do the ovulation kits and nothing ever panning out. We said, well, let's just, you know, cause at that time I'm even older. So I, I talked to my doctor and she said, well, you could talk to a specialist if you like. And kind of that's, that was the beginning I think of our journey, if you will, of having a child. Um, I think in terms of 
what was going on. And when I would take the ovulation kits, I was getting essentially some crazy data in which I would be ovulating for eight days. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, positive, positive tests for that long. Um, so then, you know, it's, it's at first when you don't realize that that's not what's supposed to happen. Right. <laughs> I was thinking, okay, well, then this should be happening, you know, sooner. But after, right. you know, several months and realizing and, and in conversation with my doctor, made the decision to go see a specialist. Um, so we saw a specialist in Richmond. He was fantastic. And we went in really just kind of saying, you know, what are the odds? You know, we're both, we're both, we both have PhD degrees. So we tend to kind of overthink and overanalyze. Um, <laughs> so but we went into the conversation with the specialist, knowing that we didn't necessarily want to go the IVF route, but okay. having a discussion of what, you know, what can we do? What are some low intervention, what, you know, low, low intervention type things that we could potentially do to help our odds? Right. Or at the same time, if our odds are really low for whatever reason, um, we just kind of want to know that too. Gotcha. Um, so we wanted some data, I guess, essentially to help us kind of make our, dis- not make our decision, but kind of understand what was happening since it wasn't happening kind of naturally or organically like we had thought it might. Right. Because you guys are scientists at heart, so you need some data. Right. <laughs> uh, so as, you know, as we start talking to specialists, he's fantastic. He you know, mentioned some things, mentions acupuncture. He does, you know, lots of blood work, lots of ultrasounds, identifies that I have a, and I forget if it was a cyst or a polyp or something, but something that had to be removed from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, I assume my uterus, I can't remember his right. explanation yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. His explanation was you have something that is taking up space. Gotcha. So it was it, probably a polyp inside the polyp. uterus and maybe preventing a pregnancy from implanting. Yes, exactly. So we had that procedure done, no problems at all. And, you know, still doing tests, blood work, you know, kind of a, you know, every now, like almost at every month cycle, just doing blood work to see, you know, what's happening with my levels and my, you know, husband also getting kind of um, producing a, a sample to see what's going on with his um, sperm. And we did, you know, he put me on some birth control to, I guess, I think to try to regulate kind of my cycle or my levels. I didn't necessarily do well on that because I then got at least signs that could have been a blood clot starting. Oh, goodness. Um, so I stopped that immediately. And then he put me on some patches and I was doing the patches, I believe. And I went in for an ultrasound and, you know, and every time we'd go in, we said, you know, doc, we just, you know, don't sugarcoat anything. If it's really not going to happen, then just let us know. And at this appointment, he said, oh, at the prior appointment, um, I think he asked, he had told me about acupuncture mm-hmm. and I hadn't started it. And he had mentioned it again during that time, or maybe I brought it up. Right. And, and that's said, pretty cool that he went, you know, was offering you this like less invasive approach. Not a lot of doctors do that. Right. No, he's fantastic. He really does collaborate with an acupuncturist here in Richmond. And he mentioned it again. I said, oh, well, I haven't tried it, but, you know, I'm going to. Um, so I had gone, I had been, I just started going to acupuncture, but maybe like one visit. And I went in for an ultrasound and he's doing the, the, the exam. And he was like, you know, I, Debbie, I don't, I don't know that this is really going to happen. Like, I'm, I'm just, you know, whatever, you know, however he said it, but 
that's the message I heard. Right. And, you know, he said whatever it was, whether it was low egg count or, you know, he didn't think it was going to happen unless it was through IVF. Okay. And I was like, okay, well, like that's not necessarily the route that we wanted to go. Right. And it was upsetting, but he said, but, you know, just in, and I think in whatever conversation we had at the end, end of it, he just said, well, just keep doing the acupuncture, you know, and, and, you know, by the next cycle, you're going to, you know, do the patch thing again and then come back again. And it was like a month or five weeks or whatever it was. Okay. And he's, Next, the next time, so I come home and talk to my husband and, you know, we're again, dead set. We're not going to do IVF, but I said, okay, but I'm just going to still, still kind of follow through with this, with this suggestion by the doctor to go mm-hmm. see him again. So we go back and he does an ultrasound. And he's like, Debbie, this is a completely different story. We can do, and I, and I, I hadn't communicated to him that we weren't going to do IVF. Right. It was like, this is a completely different story. Um, you have, you know, some good number of, of eggs that are follicles that I think we're going to be releasing an egg or whatever Okay. and, or potential, whatever, whatever the technical is. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, we can do IVF tomorrow. Oh. And, you know, again, we hadn't, we hadn't communicated that we weren't, we didn't want to do IVF and we were like, uh, hold the horses. Right. We had already kind of, you know, gone through that difficult discussion of, I guess it's not going to happen for us. We're okay with it, but we're, you know, now you're telling us that, you know, cause I think even at the time he was saying, this is going to be a really low chance, like very low chance without IVF and even right. with IVF, it's going to be kind of risk. You're not risky, but you know, a low, a, chance, a low right. chance. But now this time he's like, this is a completely different story. You have all, you know, there's so much here that could be really, that are very viable and very, you know, very good. We can do IVF tomorrow and the chances are really good. It looks, you know, in the picture's different, chances are better. And my husband and I were just like, we're just like, we can't, you know, we can't flip our decision just like that. Exactly. And he said, okay, well, then you might want to get some candles and (laughs) have a romantic weekend this weekend. Right, right. And that's how it happened. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. is, that's a cool story. <laughs> I, I love that story. I love that story too. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I truly believe, I mean, obviously I think it was the a combination of the patches, but the acupuncture and it was, it, it, I love that. I love telling that story. Right. Right. Well, mm-hmm. that is awesome. Obviously, cause, you know, the, also the thing is, is that it could have also not happened, you know, right. It's such a, it's such a, you know, you know, one in a million chance that even after that news, you know, after that kind of picture and, and having that romantic weekend, that it could have just not happened, but yeah. it did. And it's pretty awesome. Well, good. Good for you. Good for you. So you found out you were pregnant. Um, <laughs> yay. And congrats. I can imagine that that was a very happy moment for you guys. Cause it had been what, like two and a half, three years. So that was in roughly August of 2015 so yeah at least two years okay if not almost two two and a half right right so what was your prenatal care like just getting more towards the birth did you see a physician or a midwife and how did you feel about the care you received during your pregnancy started off I had had an OB Mm -hmm. um, I had a doctor that was doing all my well well visits right so 
you know, she, she was awesome because she actually called me, I guess it was post a blood test. She called me on a Friday night to kind of confirm it. And, you know, she was great. So as I was going to see her and I kept kind of wanting to talk about, you know, what I think I wanted, you know, I was still kind Mm -hmm. of reading and wanted natural, wanted, you know, just wanted to talk about it. She was very, um, very, I don't want to say insistent, but she just kept bringing up the fact that, okay, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later. Like, I don't know. I don't know what we need to talk about right now. Right. Um, And then always bringing up the possibility of a C-section and, and, you know, reflecting on it now, it might've been her way of trying to make sure that I wasn't like dead set on a certain way Okay. and not being okay if it went the C-section route. Right. But the way that she was conveying that information, I wasn't getting that message at the time. Gotcha. So then I started to, and I think, yeah, early on, I have a friend of mine, even before we got pregnant, had told me about a doula. Mm-hmm. So I was definitely set on having a doula because I remember asking her about, you know, I want to get a doula, yep. you know. And she gave me some names or people that we that I, we could call in Richmond. Um, so she was supportive of that. But then again, she kept kind of referencing the C-section. And okay. um, so as I'm reading more about doulas and then kind of understanding and, and finally select a doula, talking to her about kind of what I want and then kind of hearing more about what's happening in the community here in Richmond with mm-hmm. midwives and mm-hmm. doulas, mm-hmm. started looking at the midwife program at in the midwife pro- program it and then you know kind of interviewed both midwives and it was one of the most emotional it was very emotional because they find like I finally felt like obviously uh, overloaded with hormones and emotions in that sense but I finally felt like I was being heard in terms of what I wanted gotcha or you know what I wanted to try to have right. in terms of a birth right and then it was emotional because I remember crying in their office and they were crying with me. And it was, mm. it was, it was a really just great conversation. And yeah. finally like, feeling like, okay, now somebody's getting it. Somebody's yes. supporting kind of what it is that I want. Right. Which then made me feel like I, I don't know if I can have my physician involved anymore. Okay. So at that time, the best decision for me at the time was to, to go with midwives because I wanted to get that connection with the midwives. Gotcha. During your prenatal care. Right. During okay. the prenatal care. Okay. So it was a late, I mean, I think I made that decision. No, I know I made that decision. It was in February um, and my son was born in May. So, oh, wow. Yeah. It was a late decision to make, but I made the decision to, to switch from my physician to the midwife care. Okay. Did you have any trouble doing that switch sometimes people get trouble when they try to switch later in pregnancy it's harder um no and in the midwife that i spoke with um who ended up being there with the delivery of my son uh we spoke about that and you know she said oh well you're 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 kind of late in terms of getting this benefit of these centering groups um but if you're okay with that we're okay with you coming over and starting your prenatal care with us at that time and so it, was, it wasn't a problem. They were very supportive about it. Okay, awesome. And then you felt like the rest of your prenatal care there was still smooth and supportive, like what you were looking for? Um, yes, very, very smooth, very supportive. Smooth in, in, a, in the sense of there was always, you know, because I was of, of advanced maternal age, they were, you know, there was the extra ultrasound here, the concern here that the, you know, the baby wasn't growing, but we had, you know, another extra ultrasound. 
but other than, I mean, it was smooth other than that. Okay. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned that you had a doula. At what point did your doula get involved in your care? So we selected our doula before we made that switch to the midwife. Cause I remember talking to her a lot about it. Got it. So you were maybe a little over halfway through. Um, okay. Let's see, we got pregnant roughly in August. I think we had selected the doula before the first of the year. Okay. Okay. And were you in contact with her? Obviously you were, but how much were you in contact with her, I guess, during the prenatal care? I guess I'm asking because in my mind, you know, I'm very supportive of doulas, but I had this sense that, you know, they just kind of mostly came for the delivery. You maybe had like one or two conversations beforehand, but I'm finding that women can actually connect with their doulas a lot earlier. Yes. So I, it actually ended up being that we selected a doula who was a friend of, like, we knew her husband. <laughs> oh, okay. And not knowing that she was a doula at the time, and we had interviewed a couple of doulas and then interviewed her or had a, had a conversation with her. And she was just, you know, the, it's funny because I feel like if I would, not that I wouldn't select her now if we would have a second child, but I feel like. I was needed somebody very, I think, nurturing and very um, la, calm and right. very chill. And that was exactly what she was. Okay. But a couple of other doulas that I had talked with or interviewed, I think we're at that stage of, you know, no modesty because they've been through it for, you know, personally had kids and obviously mm -hmm. worked with many women who had kids. And while I'm sure they're fantastic doulas, like the conversation was just not what I had expected in terms of who I wanted to, to select for our being our doula. Okay. So, so we, we had a conversation, she came and did an interview with us, you know, and it, and it was, it, again, reflecting on it. So funny because I, it was so, it, it was such an uncertain time. Cause I, I just knew I don't want to have a C-section if I don't have to, I don't want medicine if I don't need it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do, um, I'm an organizational psychologist and I do research within the healthcare context. So I just knew that I didn't want to be pushed in a way that I didn't want to be right. pushed. And when we met with her, there was, I didn't know what I wanted. I just knew that I didn't want that. <laughs> gotcha. So the conversations, I think now reflecting on it, you know, it was, she was having, you know, she was, you know, obviously the more experienced person. So she was trying to get information from us and, have us explain and share what we thought birth was like. And she gave us some great resources. Um, so we had that kind of initial interview. We selected her and then she came back for a visit, a more kind of in-depth discussion of um, kind of our expectations and what we wanted. Okay. And, you know, after reading a couple of the resources that she did provide, you know, I was able to kind of get a better sense of, you know, what I wanted or what it would be like. So, and so then during that time was when I was still kind of making that decision of where do I go for my prenatal care? Who's going to be delivering okay. the baby? Okay. And um, so there was a lot of conversation, phone conversations with her, just kind of talking through the options. Right. So there was a lot, I mean, there was, by my memory, we talked a lot. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome.
Expecting parents who are looking for great nursery decor, this message is for you. As you prepare for the beautiful journey ahead, let Home Threads be your partner in creating a serene nest for your growing family. At HomeThreads.com, explore a collection designed for comfort and style during this special time. From cozy nursery essentials to soothing rocking chairs, Home Threads has everything to create the perfect home for your little one and always at the best value. If you like unique items, then you definitely need to check out Home Threads. We got a silver picture frame from Home Threads that is absolutely beautiful. It's one of those timeless classic items that will last for years to come and it fits in any space in your home. Be sure to visit homethreads.com forward slash Dr. Nicole today and receive a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. Now, what things did you do to prepare for your birth? Books or classes or videos? What did you do? All of that. <laughs> <laughs> I read um, Ina May's book on birthing. I can't remember what, what the uh, name yeah, of it is. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I, I watched the Ricky Lake documentary. Doc- okay. Uh, there was a, obviously a couple of other birthing like story Netflix movies because at the time, mm-hmm. and I think this was one of the reasons why I was never, I never tended to be the, the person who knew like as a young person that they wanted children because I was very scared about birth. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty normal. Yeah. yeah. So in my mind, now that I knew I had to kind of get over that and prepare myself for it like I wanted to watch all the births like before I would never want to watch a birth now I wanted to work watch all the births I could mm-hmm. so that I could just like get used to it and understand it and try to feel connection to it and you know hormones are amazing because it works like <laughs> I, I started just enjoying watching it and enjoying watching you know the the women and the families kind of going through that process right okay it took uh what's it called prenatal yoga okay uh-huh. how was that did you like that I did and again it was you know kind of an interesting as I reflect kind of transition into what I liked about it uh you know because the the prenatal yoga they're all you know we're all women at different stages of our pregnancy and it's very community focused because the teacher does kind of have a sit around the, a circle and we share kind of what's going on that week and I remember the first couple of times I was just very uncomfortable very you know I was like okay this is not necessarily what I was looking for Mm -hmm. but I you know I went and kind of joined and contributed um but after you know the third or fourth I mean it was just like that was what I needed and wanted Mm -hmm. and just loved it it was it was really great and then we we did do a birthing class outside of the hospital system so we did a birthing class with that was that's run by one of the doulas here in Richmond. Okay. All right. Awesome. So let's get to what was your birth like? <laughs> um, so we are in our house. We had, we were getting you know, not, well, we were getting there and we had just kind of painted the, the guest bedroom to make it the baby's room we had gotten some work done in the basement to get the basement finished. So we had space for guests to come and stay over. And it was a Sunday night and 
finally we moved the couch from the living room down to the basement, the bed from the guest bedroom down to the basement. Right. And then Monday at 5 a.m., I wake up and I tell my husband, I'm feeling cramps. And this was nine days before his the due date. I'm feeling some cramps. And, and I had some meetings that day and he had some meetings that day. And he said, oh, you know, what do you need? What do you need to do? And I said, well, I'm going to try to keep sleeping because it was you know 5 a.m. I didn't have to get up. I, my meeting wasn't until 10. So I was like, I'll just keep sleeping. If I have to take it from home, I'll take it from home. Mm-hmm. So I fell back asleep. And in my mind, my memory of the birthing class was as long as you can sleep, you're probably not in active labor. That's, yeah, that's, I say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I kept sleeping. Um, I woke up and still had some kind of cramps or contractions. And, and the, that weekend before, it wasn't that I was feeling pain that week or any time before then, but that weekend before I was like, oh, the walking, it's a little, it's a little more, I'm trying, having to strain a little bit more than normal or feeling kind of some stretching pains a little bit more than normal, but nothing like that was really kind of getting my attention. Right. So I wake up, shower, kind of still feeling it, decide not to go into the office, but take my meeting at home. I'm sitting on a birthing ball, having contractions while I'm on a conference call. <laughs> the things right. that women do, I swear, we can multitask like nobody I, else. <laughs> right. Well, meanwhile, my husband has canceled his meetings and, you know, we hadn't done everything. So we hadn't like packed it up bag we hadn't put together music we hadn't put together snacks we hadn't done any of that so he was trying to do that and it was kind of after the meeting which was about 11 o'clock or 11 30 the contractions were definitely like they weren't close but they weren't just cramped they weren't it didn't feel like just like uh menstrual cramp feelings it was like true some true contractions right. but again, more intense yeah I, I kept thinking if i i'm gonna just try to rest because I don't think it's I don't think it's happening. And I think in my mind I kept thinking, no, he's not coming yet. Still nine days. So I you know, lay down and kept trying to sleep. And I think it early I think it was after the morning or after my meeting, I think my husband called the doula. And so she kind of just coached him, you know, she's like, Well, let her rest, give her try to get her to eat or whatever. And then I would kept re- resting and would keep sleeping and then started to time things, you know. Like it was like two o'clock was I think when we started to try to time it. And again, it wasn't consistent. They were still kind of far apart, but I was still having some kind of major pains where my, he would, my husband would be around the house trying to get things together, putting a playlist together. And every now and then I'd have to call him to try to help me through a contraction or like a hip pain. So I was like, just massage my hip, just massage hip. So again, all the while I'm thinking, oh, this isn't really it. Cause it's not it's not debilitating. I'm not saying I can't do it. Right. I'm still kind of able to sleep. And my, you know, we'd call the doula and my doula would be like, well, let me, you know, listen through some of your contractions. And it wasn't a big deal. She's like, oh yeah, I think you're still a ways away. And I think, you know, in, in retrospect, I think as first timers, um, we should have been like, can you just come over? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, the doula was, was making her best judgment in terms of, well, I don't think she's in active labor. So I don't, and I don't think that I'm presuming now that I don't think she wanted to come over. And then if nothing's really happening, then leave, I think that might've been a little bit more awkward. Right. Because maybe once, once she comes, I think, you know, comes here, I think she wants to be able to stay and kind of see it through it all. Exactly. So, but in her way of, of, 
making that judgment, she would have me kind of, con- you know, go through a contraction on the phone. And she was like, oh, no, sounds like you're doing really well. You're breathing really nicely. And she's asked me how it was. I was like, I mean, it hurts, but it's not that bad. And I'm still sleeping. I'm tired. And then it was, and I, so I was laying down most of the day, actually all of the day. Then I think it was around, it was around four or five o'clock. And my husband called the doula again. She listened through again. And she's like, so, and a couple of times during the day, I know my husband had talked to her and she would tell her, tell him to make sure that I'm trying to do like polar bear, polar bear pose or something else to help with the back pain. Cause I was feeling back pain. Mm-hmm. And then it was like four or five o'clock. She, she said, it was another time when they talked, she said, well, has, you know, has she eaten anything? And I said, well, she had some toast and some peanut butter, but she, had, she did throw up and she said, well, try some soup or something. And she'd been walking around. He's, she's like, he said, no, she's just sleeping. She's tired. She wants to rest, you know, to prepare for active labor. She's like, well, you try to get her up and walk around. So we walked downstairs. I walked out in the backyard for a little bit, ate some like chicken or like brothy soup that a friend brought over from a local store and sitting on the birthing ball while eating the soup, but just kind of in major contraction pain you know all the while still the timing isn't like they're not consistent it's not you know it's not happening in our minds still right and so now it's like seven or eight o'clock and still you know every i feel like it was a check-in every hour maybe a little bit more with the doula kind of hearing me through the contraction asking about timing asking about pain asking about everything and she's like okay well try to get some rest. She said, she's like, I'm going to get rest as well because I think it's going to happen. But I, I still think you're hours and hours away from this happening. And it's like, it was, you know, I think it was about eight o'clock when we laid down, turn off the lights mm-hmm. and turn off the lights. And all I remember laying there for not too long. And I remember we were timing it. So maybe it was more like nine. I remember getting, getting up and just having contractions and, Oh, that's right. The doula did say, call the hospital just to let them know that you're in kind of, you're in contractions. And this was at, this was post seven o'clock because, because uh, Leslie, the midwife had already gotten in and we already knew that Leslie was on call or was on service that night. Okay. And Leslie was hearing me through the contractions and she said, have you tried to shower or have you tried contracting in the shower? And I said, no, she said, try it. And I did. And then that post shower was when the, we talked to the doula and she said, get, you know, get some rest. I think it's going to happen later, but I still think you're hours away. We laid down and after a while I had this feeling and then I ran to the bathroom and, and earlier in the day, um, I thought I had lost my mucus plug, but I think I didn't know what I was talking about. (laughs) I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect, obviously, because then it was at night around, I think it was around nine-ish, that I get this feeling, I go to the bathroom, lose the mucus plug, and my water breaks. Okay. We call Leslie. I'm having a contraction. She listens to me go through a contraction. She said, okay, it's like, you're doing well. Sounds like you're dealing with it pretty well. Like, I, I think you're still a couple of hours away. So, you know, if, if you're not feeling, if you don't feel like the urgency or the need to come in, I think you might be able to labor a little bit more at home. Call your doula, tell her to come over. And then we call the doula. 
like minutes, Sarah, we talk to Sarah and she hears me contract and she's like, you need to go to the hospital. <laughs> there, there's been a change. Get, you know, get it packed up, right. go to the hospital. Right, right, right. And then we get to the hospital. Um, so by that, by this time it was probably around 1045. Okay. And get to the hospital, pull up into the valet, which is now closed. And my husband is unsure what to do with car. I walk in because I just want to get up to the labor and delivery. Uh The security guard tells my husband that he needs to go park the car. Oh, my God. Uh Uh-huh. And the security guard then wheels me up to labor and delivery while I'm, like, now really having some major contractions where it's like, okay, I can't handle this. This It's really getting intense. Yes. And get wheeled in and see Leslie and she's like, wow, like things really got moving fast, didn't it? Like, yeah. Like she's like, okay, well, can I check, you know, how you're doing? And she checks and she's like, okay, so you're nine centimeters dilated and, but the baby hasn't dropped yet. So they put me on the monitors and, and I think my fear was, I don't want to go to the hospital and be like two centimeters dilated Mm -hmm. and then have to just be there the whole day. Right. So getting there at nine centimeters, I was just like, okay, well, sweet. Off to a um, good start. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and they get the monitors on and they are, they are putting an IV on and they can't get a vein for some reason. I can see it was a, a student, a student nurse and they find, so they finally get it. And I guess they identify that the heart rate of the baby is, has dropped. Okay. And they're concerned about that. So they call the OB on call and they come in and you know they're having they're kind of making the decision my husband i don't think is even here yet like it was all very quick right and i think after the ob comes in i think they have me push a little bit and then all of a sudden my husband comes in from his perspective he tells me that he comes in and they're having me to try to push and he's like wait you know because in his mind he doesn't know that i'm nine centimeters gotcha he doesn't know any of this right um and he's like, what's going on? And the doula got there before my husband did because I think she knew exactly where to park or whatever. Right. I'm trying to push, but it's not. But the baby hasn't dropped. It's not, it's not dropping. And the heart rate goes down again. And they make the decision. We need to do an emergency C-section. Oh, my goodness. Yep. And so, you know, and I'm just trying to be as centered and as calm as possible. Right. Breathing through. And, you know, they're talking to me. They, I vaguely kind of remember them, the OB talking to me. And it happened to be an OB that I kind of knew because of the work that I do. Uh-huh. Um, so that was kind of nice because I was always very afraid or concerned that somebody that I didn't know at all right. would be the one delivering. And he explained it to me. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever has to happen. And I remember being wheeled in to the room. I'm still contracting, painful. And... You know, I'm in the room. I think I was in the room. Or at some point, at w- another point, they said, well, the baby's heart rate is up. We could still try to do this. And the midwife's like, I don't know that we can ask her to do this now that we've told her, you know, we're going to have to do an emergency C-section. I don't know if she's, like, going to be able to push or do it. And in the, in the end, I was just like, just do the emergency C-section, and, you know, get the baby out. Okay. And I just remember asking why is this taking so long? You know, because I knew what it meant in terms of an emergency C-section that they were going to have to put me under. Right. And then 
get the baby out. What I didn't realize is they need to have everything ready so that it's a quick put me under, Mm -hmm. get the baby out Mm -hmm. so that there's no transfer of the anesthesia to the baby. Yeah. Right. So I just remember like screaming out, why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? Um, And all the while, my husband uh, tells me that he's outside the room because he can't go in the room. He's with the doula and you know, he just doesn't know what's happening or, you know, just doesn't know what to do. So then emergency C-section happens. And And so you went under general uh, anesthesia. Okay. Yeah. So I was completely out. And then the next thing I remember is waking up in the delivery room or like, yeah, in the, in the room, not the operating room, but the delivery room and being in pain, but also being like, where's the baby, you know, right. Baby. So then we got wheeled over to see the baby for just a few minutes. I'm completely groggy, but at the same time, very excited. It's kind of a, an interesting picture. Um, the first picture, cause he's, you know, they, um, obviously went and took him to make sure he was okay. Did he go to the NICU or just, he did go to the NICU. He did. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I remember the, the picture that we have of him kind of in the NICU. He's got a little, I think, IV because he had a little arm brace or something to keep him, like keep his arm straight. Or maybe not IV. He had something on his arm. Um, I think it was an IV because he had a little arm brace on it, a little thing. And got seen for a little bit. But then, so this, like, so he was born at 1145 in, on a Monday night. And we got wheeled back up to the room around 1 a.m. And then by 6 a.m., my husband was downstairs to figure out when he would be able to come up. And they finally came up about 10 a.m., even though I was still kind of for surgery and still very groggy. So were they let him out of the NICU, you mean, to come up with you? or Right. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm just over here. Like, what was that all like for you? It was, I mean, like during the moment, it was very, okay, I just need to stay calm. I'm in pain. So I'm just going to breathe out, breathe out, just let it happen, let it happen. Like I didn't, there was never a concern or there there was never a fear that something was going to go wrong. Okay. I don't know if in the moment I kept, you know, because I knew or I know now that baby's heart rates drop when Mm -hmm. you contract. So I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what, for whatever reason they were saying, we need to get him out. In my mind, I think I thought, well, he's not dropping. You know, there's, there's the, the three, the three stages that need to happen or the three things that need to happen for a baby to birth. Um, I'm obviously dilated, but one of the things is that he needs to drop and the baby hasn't dropped. So, okay, fine. Then I didn't know what that meant in terms of, and I knew my water had broken. So I think in my mind, I just thought, okay, well, he's not dropping. They need, the baby needs to drop fast or soon. So maybe that's why they're making the decision to do this emergency C-section. Right. I think post delivery and post me not being groggy, but like maybe later that day on that Tuesday, Mm -hmm. it was kind of, it was really upsetting that it happened that way. But I think uh, it actually wasn't. It was upsetting, but it wasn't like it wasn't interfering kind of with my my joy and love, you know, for finally meeting the baby. Gotcha. But my my doula, our doula came to the visit post birth. Okay. And in the hospital or at home? Uh, at home. Okay. 
so we so he was born on a Monday night and we didn't leave because we actually took the the extra night yeah. <laughs> that they offered. <laughs> so we didn't leave until Friday. And our doula came and visited us on Saturday. And you know, I was still kind of processing it. Right. And she you know, one, she didn't know that I well, actually she didn't know that I necessarily studied kind of collaboration and 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 did it in one of the contexts being healthcare. Mm-hmm. And so when I told her that, she was like, I didn't know that. I was like, that's so interesting. That's kind of, you know, you know, because from her perspective, you know, she kind of saw the what was going on, you know, between the midwife, between the OB and how they were working with the doula, how they were working with me as the patient and my husband as a family member. So even though the outcome wasn't what I had expressed to her, she kind of thought, she kind of saw how everybody was working together and working well together. Right. But I think the other thing that she kind of highlighted or honed in on was that the the full day that my husband and I spent at home laboring and how well we did it together, mm-hmm. you know, like how mm-hmm. how we felt um, the support from one another and how awesome that was. Oh, that is so beautiful. It It is. And it is that it is like, you know, OK we can do this together. And that's, you know, to the point where we never said, Hey, Sarah, come over. Right. <laughs> um, Cause I feel like if she would have come over, she would have gotten me walking and maybe that might've helped to get him drunk, but I don't know. But for whatever, you know, whatever. But I think hearing that description was like, Oh, that's, that's pretty special and, and pretty awesome. Absolutely. So she just helped you to find a way to kind of process everything to where you could see like the positive aspects of it. Yes. Yeah. So what other things did you do to manage your feelings about how your birth didn't go the way you anticipated? Um, I, I definitely talked about it. I wanted to share it because I think after Sarah had explained it that way, I was like, I want to share this story. Like, I just want to talk about it. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, then I became the woman that wanted to talk about her birth. <laughs> <laughs> but it you know it's so just kind of an awesome experience and an awesome experience to be able to be home and and just kind of be you know here in a safe space and feel comfortable and fear feel supported and just kind of letting like allowing my body to just kind of communicate what it was that we needed at the time or that I needed at the time. Right. Um, So I did a lot of talking about it and my husband and I talked a lot about it. Did you ever talk about it with your midwife or with the OB physician? Um, I did because I had a six week post birth visit with the midwife. And I feel like I had another visit with the OB. But yes, we did talk about it. Uh, with the midwife and my husband was there at that visit too. And we talked about it. Okay. And, um, and then I even talked a little bit more about it with the OB because I do remember him um, kind of looking up some tests in terms of helping process or helping communicate kind of the decision or the thought process in, of doing the emergency C-section. Okay. Do you think that was helpful? I do. I still think it was um, like, I feel like if I would have that conversation now, I would be asking different questions or more questions. Mm-hmm. I think at the time I was still kind of, you know, didn't know what I wanted to ask or gotcha. I wanted to find out. Right. But yeah, I do think it was helpful. 
Hey, so you made it this far in the episode, and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy into Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me, and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show. And do you think that six weeks was too long? I think six weeks is too long to wait. To, even, even if it's like you check in just a little bit, I think we need to do better about seeing women earlier. What do you think? Oh, I agree completely. I agree completely. I think, I think the fact that the doula had come twice was helpful, like, you know, from getting discharged to the six-week visit. Um, I, I, I at least saw the doula twice, and I think that helped with that kind of transition, but I do think it's too, it's too long. Yeah. I think you. we need, we need more, more supports for fam, for women and families in that kind of transition period. It's a huge transition. It is a very huge transition and it's something that you just can't appreciate until you go through it. So yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, looking back on all of it, how do you feel about it now? I love it. I mean, yes, I'm disappointed that it, it was an emergency section. You know, as I kind of just shared a minute ago, I do wonder that if I if I would have walked around, maybe he would have dropped. But in my mind, I was thinking, if I can sleep, then I'm not in active labor. <laughs> and so I, I was resting in preparation for the walking that I thought I was going to have to do. I think we all have those. Sometimes we know when things don't go the way you anticipate that wonder if you would have done things differently. I mean, for my sec, I had a C-section for my first and a C-section for the second. And I'm like, oh, what if I would have tried to V-back? You know, I never had that experience of a vaginal birth. So I think that's common that you have that sort of what if kind of thing and you just figure out a way to deal with it. Right. And I, and I don't, and I wonder, I think my reflection on it is more about missing kind of the the his entrance right not yeah. necessarily the experience of the vaginal birth that makes I think sense it's, it's more of like i know you know i was knocked out so i didn't get to see him come out right. i didn't get to hear him come out you didn't get to hear I the first cry or that right. kind of thing yeah i didn't get to you know do skin to skin immediately right right um all that kind of stuff gotcha. so i think it 
it's that. And, I, and again, I think hormones are an incredible thing. Because I think, I think that's what's helped rationalize it for me. Because, you know, I early on, you know, the first few days and the first couple of weeks, it was, it was, it was devastating and it was hard. Sure. But I think I was able to, and, and like I said, I love sharing the story. I think it's a, a, uh, a unique story to share, but I do love talking about it, even if it wasn't exactly what I had hoped it was. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what was your physical recovery like? Did you have any issues there? Um, not really. I mean, it was, it was, it was tough. It was funny or not funny, but it was interesting while I was in the hospital, I would be in pain. And, you know, so it, now I guess it's typical. Um, they, uh, had me walking. I believe it was that Tuesday, Tuesday. So I, it was within, if not at 24 hours, they had me walking at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so it was painful. The, and, and when I was in the hospital, they were like, oh, so how are you doing with pain? I was like, well, it's, I'm still like in, you know, pretty good amount of pain. It's not debilitating. I mean, I'm still able to hold and, and try to nurse and everything, but it still hurts. And the nurse, I guess, looked at my, uh, the how much medication I was getting because I, they gave me the, kind of the self-monitored medication. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, you're not giving yourself any medication. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> maybe I need to have a little bit. So I was able to kind of manage the pain a little bit better in that way. But as more, the more I walked, the better it was. I think also when I got home, I had mixed up the how to take the medication because I do remember one night just waking up in excruciating pain. Mm. And I think I had, um, you know, Something like I could have taken it every four hours. I think I was I had to take it every eight hours or something like that. But it was, it was tough for. But it was really, in terms of my memory, it was only really one night of being in big pain. I do remember walking around the block. It was either the Sunday, so yeah, it would have been almost a week. Yeah, he would have been almost a week. It was a Sunday. Um, some friends came over and we just took a, a slow stroll around our block. Okay. So, okay. Tried tried to get up. Right. And that that was really kind of encouraged by a friend who had already had two kids, and she was like, you know, you know, if you want, if you feel up for it, we can go take you know a slow walk, and get some fresh and, air, and yep. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So looking back, and then just kind of to wrap up, what are some things you wish you knew beforehand, or is there anything you wish you would have known beforehand? No, I mean, I don't know that any that I that I missed any information that would have helped. I think the, the one thing I wish we would have done, um, and so it's not necessarily knowledge, but it's more of a behavior and action is I wish we would have told, asked the doula, you know what, can you come over? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, you know, even, even if you leave I, later, just to, if you leave later, yeah. just come over. Right. But I think that that's really the, the only thing. thing. Okay. I mean, I think it would have been nice to have had a plan like okay yes you can rest but like I took it to like I took it to the extreme right <laughs> I was like as long as I can sleep then I'm not in active labor and I'm just going to keep resting got it but if I could have had a plan to be like okay keep resting but you need to walk up and down the stairs or you need to walk around the block and then come back and rest or something gotcha like okay all right oh and I forgot to ask how do you feel like 
the combination of a doula, midwife, and then having an OB, how did that approach work for you? Um, I think it was, I mean, I think it worked. I think the, the, the having the OB kind of come in, you know, unexpectedly and because of a, a concern, you know, I'm, I'm glad that there was that option or that, you know, I'm glad that the, that the midwife was able to lean on her colleague in that way mm-hmm. for that time. Um, I think the, the OB and learning this post visit, cause we talked, um, some, you know, they are open and they are very receptive to that kind of collaboration with midwives. So it was, it was nice. I think, you know, I think that's a testament to kind of the program that, um, has been built. Well, good. Awesome. So last thing, uh, just to kind of finish up, what is one thing or one piece of advice that you would tell women who are getting ready for their birth? Hmm. I think my one thing is kind of would be to connect, like to reflect and connect with what it is that they want to experience mm. for themselves. You know, ignore ignore the stories out there, ignore the celebrity birth videos. What is it that they want? And to really, you know, if, if they're, if they're not a reflective or spiritual type of person to at least consider reflecting in this moment of their life, because it's such an, amazing experience that you know we we often I think focus on the outcome rather than the process and I think that that's essentially what I'm suggesting is think about your process think about what it means to you and really think about it and not just rush through it yeah I really like that a lot this is not going to be a time that necessarily comes around very often so take a moment and just reflect and connect with what's the important to you. And like you said, not just for what you want for the birth, but just enjoying that moment of pregnancy um, mm-hmm. and really connecting with it. I think that's really, really great advice. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that um, all of this is essentially in my, my second career, I would love to, uh, to be a, a doula and help oh, support really? other women. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. How did you come to that conclusion? I think it's just, you know, what, Sarah did, I think, for like the support that she provided me and the support and just the conversations that she had with us. I think, you know, if I can do that for other people, because I, you know, just reflecting on how I thought about the process and and how I kind of, you know, was afraid about it at first, I would love to help women through that and kind of think through it and act through it and yeah. And be in that, right. be in that process with them. Right. That's so. awesome. That's, that's a really beautiful thing to do. I think as women, we need to try and help support other women as best we can during mm-hmm. pregnancy and birth, because unfortunately our society, we don't have it set up very well, at least from a medical system perspective of supporting women, especially after the birth. Um, right. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to be on. I really appreciate you coming on and hearing your story. Well, I'm, I'm thankful that we got connected and um, look forward to hearing other stories. And um, thank you for what you're doing to kind of share the, the different stories of what birth 
going to look like. Yeah, thank you. And then I don't know, you can totally say no to this question because not everybody is, but are you on any social media or anything where women connect with, can connect with you afterwards after they hear you on the episode? Not everybody is, but I always ask. Mm-hmm. I am. I mean, I have a Facebook account. I have a Twitter account. I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. Well, I so can, they can be connected at, at any of those. Okay. I will link to all that stuff in the show notes. Um, and again, thank you for being here. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Nicole. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. So what did you think? I really enjoyed that. Although Debbie's birth didn't go exactly the way she hoped, she's very proud of her story. And I love that. Now, you know, after every episode where I have a guest on, I do something called Nicole's Notes, where I talk about just my top three or four takeaways from the episode. So here we go for this episode. Number one, and this one's a pretty quick and easy one. Do a dry run of where you're supposed to park at the hospital. When she talked about how her husband didn't know how to, where to park and all that kind of stuff, that was like, oh, painful. So especially if it's a big hospital with lots of different places where you can park, do a dry run so that at three o'clock in the morning, if you're driving to the hospital, you know exactly where to go. Number two, I loved how Debbie was comfortable with changing providers when she felt like the first one, her physician wasn't right for her. Of course, I'm not saying all physicians are bad. I'm a physician myself. Um, And it's not necessarily that all midwives are great. You know, each individual person has their own unique style of practice. But the important thing is to find a doctor or midwife or whoever who works best for you. And that was really awesome that Debbie made that change when she felt like she wasn't in the right place with her first provider. Number three, Debbie said she was afraid of birth. But she knew that to get over that fear, she had to inform herself. So she hopped right on in, got the information, got books, watched videos, all of those things. So she wouldn't need to feel afraid of the process. And I encourage you to do the same, whether it's books, videos, a good childbirth education class, like my online childbirth education class, the birth preparation course. Definitely prepare yourself so that you don't fear birth. And then the last thing I'll add that I kind of picked up on is to be comfortable asking for what you need from whoever that is. Although Debbie obviously had a good relationship with her doula and she liked her doula, she wished that she would have, in in hindsight, asked for her to just come over. So this is just a little reminder that not just from your physician, but everyone who's involved in your care, be sure that you are comfortable asking what you need from them. All right, so that's it for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I would love it if you leave a review in iTunes. It helps other women find the show. And I also give shout outs on episodes for folks who leave me those reviews. And don't forget to sign up for my live online class on how to make your birth plan. This is going to be so super informative and helpful. And I'm so excited to be doing it live so I can be there with you. Register at ncrcoaching.com forward slash register. Now, next week on the podcast, I have an amazing prenatal yoga teacher coming on to talk about prenatal yoga. 
She is so super passionate about what she does, and she even created a bonus video to go along with the episode. So come on back next week. And until then, I wish you a healthy and happy pregnancy and birth. Today's episode is brought to you by Women's Wellness Coaching by Dr. Nicole Calloway Rankins. Head to ncrcoaching.com to check out my free one-hour mini course on how to make your birth plan, as well as my comprehensive online childbirth education class, the birth preparation course. With over eight hours of content and a private course community, the birth preparation course will leave you knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered going into your birth. Head to ncrcoaching.com to learn more.